Welcome to Under the Hood, a podcast by Le Studio, where we chat about the ins and outs of entrepreneurship with real-life innovators. Hello, everybody. I am Corinne Sarkissian. In this episode, I have the honor of chatting with Lopa Desai. Lopa is the longtime managing director of Narat. There, she leads a variety of initiatives for her family office, including public and private equity investments and trust and estate planning. In recent years, Lopa has influenced and made connections in the fields of investment and philanthropy. She sits on the advisory board at Transcend Wealth Partners and on the executive committee at the Forge Community, which connects single-family offices using a peer-to-peer network. She's also currently on the advisory board for Institutional Investors Single-Family Office Symposiums. Recently, she joined the advisory board for Fidelity Charitable, focused on next-gen donors. Before focusing her professional efforts on planning and investment management, Lopa co-founded Glyft, helping develop a consumer iOS app that utilized machine learning to engage product discovery. She also scaled operations and implemented commercial reorganization at offices worldwide at What If Innovation, a company that specializes in leading innovation across markets. She also held positions in marketing and strategy with a variety of consumer brands such as Nike, Seventh Generation, Mars, and the New York Times. Welcome, Lopa. We're so excited to have you here. Thanks. Uh, it's really great to be here and, and chatting about uh, all of these fun topics that are near and dear to my heart. Totally. And, and I, I think you and I have gotten to know each other over the years. And it's just been like such a journey to just learn more about what you're doing and, and just kind of explore and share a lot of our common interests, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, we love to kind of like get started with a very broad question. Um, something that we kind of like to do uniquely here, but like, tell us about something that you did that you're proud of that has nothing to do with work. So it's actually pretty recent timing. Um, a couple of years ago, I was sort of thinking about my life and taking stock of what I was doing and where I was spending my time. And while I absolutely love what I do, um, I get to learn something every day. I'm around incredibly smart people all the time. I realized that you know, I felt there was something missing in terms of like, what was it all for? And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a moment where I was going to turn my life upside down, but I felt like I wanted to do something that meant more and, and, and was for more than just myself or, uh, who I was working for. Um, and so just sort of put that out there as, uh, an intention and, you know, it's a very California sounding thing to do. Um, <laughs> Uh, although I do have to say I was a New Yorker for 15 years, so sometimes I listen to myself and then, okay. Um, <laughs> but, so I, I mean, it, but it works. I mean, I think uh, there's a nonprofit called PSI, short for Population Services International, that I've engaged with over a few years. And I love their approach to being scrappy. I love their approach to solving problems by building resilient markets. And they work in the spaces of women's health and, and healthcare and sanitation. And, many countries, about 30 countries across the world. So long story short, I was having this catch up at the end of last year and uh, with the sanitation team and the way they were describing kind of where they were, they, they, they a few years ago, you know, were really excited about a um, solution that they were ready, thought they were ready to scale. And while it was a really useful solution, they found as they went into markets, it's not that simple. 
Um, and I've always shared with them that I love the lessons. The failures are really where we, where we get to learn and tweak to get better. And so they were open about that and we talked about it and it just felt so much like, uh, the work that I do and that I see in our portfolio companies. Um, when they get to an inflection point, um, they, things are going in the right direction. There's a lot of wisdom. There's a lot of knowledge, but all of a sudden the market is telling them that there's something that needs to be adjusted to, to unlock that next level of success. And so, we just had a conversation and we ended up talking and uh, I ended up volunteering some time and bringing in a friend of mine, the brilliant strategist to volunteer her time. Um, and we put together with them really uh, what I thought was a thoughtful strategy um, for how they're going to attack the next 10 years. And we went out to their global meeting and shared it with all their various country heads and it, and it seems to seems to be taking some momentum. So, yeah, somewhat related to work, but not, and just feels really good for my heart. That's that's super cool. How did you actually? How did you find out about PSI in the first place? Oh, that's a good question. So actually, I work with uh, I have a DAF at Fidelity Charitable, um, and a member of the team knew that I really like uh, scrappy startups that are trying. They're not scrappy. They've been around for a while, and they they have pretty large budgets, but they have an approach that is. Um, resourceful and, uh, and express that I really, I, you know, personal preference on um, market-based solutions for solving problems and um, got introduced to them. And, you know, I'm kind of a nosy person. I love to ask questions and engage <laughs> in dialogue. So uh, it became a relationship versus just a check. I love that. I love that. It's like, seems like it led to things pretty organically. That's super cool. And I definitely want to spend more time talking about your like the way you approach venture and everything. But I think it'd be useful to tell a little bit of our listeners. I mean, you have a very unique background and sort of a trajectory as an investor. You were, you know, in the creative space for quite some time. And I think one that I can relate to quite closely. And I, I mean, it's particularly SF Design Week right now. So <laughs> looking at that perspective, but could you share a little bit more with us about I guess your journey from maybe from Parsons to like finding human centered design and then leading you towards becoming an investor. Yeah. Um, so I will say at the very top of it, um, I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> and I still don't, but it's funny as you, you know, rack up the years and you look back and sort of start to see a pattern, but you know, I was really lucky in that I was raised in a household that certainly, um, you know, encouraged hard work and finding your purpose through work, um, but laid out, you know, you know, made it clear that it was, you know, your choice to do what felt meaningful to you. Um, and because of that, I was able to every step of the way in education or work, I always, you know, made the decision or took the step because there was something I wanted to learn. There was something I was curious about. And there was a piece of this framework that I that I wanted to to add to my tool belt. So it started with art school. Um, it was uh, not something I thought I was going to do uh, junior year of high school. Um, I just didn't feel like I was a liberal arts student for some reason. And I uh, put together a portfolio, like I don't know how, but got accepted it to Parsons. Um, and at that time in my life, I thought I wanted to be a fashion designer. I was at the place that did it well, and I was excited about it. I went through foundation year, and I was just honest with myself, I think, at that moment, at the end of that first year, and I realized 
I am not, I, this, I don't mean for this to sound like a cop-out, but I am not as brilliant as these people in this space. Like I am not going to create things the way they are going to. There is something else that I think I can do better. Um, and so there was a really interesting program there at the time that married design concepts um, around problem solving um, with sort of some basic business classes. And that's what I graduated with. I had no idea what I was going to do with it. Um, I don't know why, but I uh, was always, I always loved working. Um, so I did internships throughout school on my own. Uh, and I decided that the industry of fashion and retail was not for me, uh, luckily. Uh, and so when I graduated, I ended up working in the house and doing some marketing stuff. And then over time, um, uh, decided to go to business school. And then, because I was also a good marketing was interesting. And I was always curious, like, why do people make decisions? Why do they buy something? How do you talk to them about that? And then when, you know, I had done that for a little while, I was like, well, okay, but then how does the business decide what it wants to do and how it does this? And I want to be in the room that, that figures that out. And business school felt like the right next step for me to, to sort of move into that next realm. And, um, it was actually business school that I got further entrenched into human centered design. I remember there was an insights class that I took that was um, awesome. It just really turned me on. It was just this, it sort of unlocked this, that original question, which is why do people do things? Why do they buy? And it sort of unlocked from the business side in terms of how you figure that out and why and and how people truly have the wisdom. It's it's helping them unearth it. And so when I graduated from school, um, I knew I wanted to work for a firm that did that. Um, and so I joined a consultancy that did that sort of work, not in the team that I wanted to, which was the client facing side of the team, but on the CEO's team. And that was another blessing in disguise. And that was a little, you know, wasn't close to the pure insights driven work, but was able to take that approach to the way we built the business and really started to learn real concepts of what it meant to build a business. Um, and um, you know, be on the inside on, on that side of, side of things. And then, you know, I, I then, you know, sort of got to this place where I was wondering, okay, you're in the room with strategy and you're building the business and understanding and trying to figure out how to communicate with your customers. And, um, but now, you know, really it's the money that's making the decisions. Um, and I want to be in that room. I want to be, uh, I want to understand what it takes to figure that out. And so, you know, sort of long story short, that's how I ended up in venture. And who knows, <laughs> maybe I'll graduate somewhere else. But but so far, it's stuck really well and it's been really great because um, brought a lot of these things together. Um, the entrepreneurialism, the what is it? Dynamism. There we go. The dynamism of, um, <laughs> you know, of, of, of the space of the investors, of the folks that are running the businesses, people that are working in these businesses. Um, it's really inspiring and I just, I love to learn and I get to learn every moment of my day. So it's pretty cool. I love that. Um, I can see the passion when you're talking about it and like kind of seeing how the two worlds have kind of connected. I have so many questions, but um, I think, I think this is a good segue for this one. When you and I were prepping for this conversation, you, you used the word like the winding road of your, when you were talking about your career and like, you mentioned, I guess, the importance of like feeding your curiosity and like how each step led you to the next. And you alluded to that. But 
can you speak more to that like maybe any advice you can you could share with like people from the creative world or any person kind of trying to get into venture or just any you know anyone like mid-career I would say like because I think it's very unique you kind of just followed a like a very organic path that was yours you know you formed it you like this step next net to the next one and the next one and then and from there on you know yeah no I, I appreciate that I mean I think like I said it looks like a really beautiful pattern now but it did not feel like that you know at any moment and um even today sometimes I'm like well what what am I doing when I'm here is this right you know I think it's normal to question yourself um I think you know the biggest piece of advice I'd give is it's okay and it's normal to have questions, um, to be scared. Uh, but I think, you know, don't cross that line where you talk yourself out of things um, and you don't believe in your capabilities and abilities. Um, you know, another another piece of advice I would give is, this is actually from that consultancy that did a lot of human design centered work. But one of the tenants that we would teach our clients was everybody is creative. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you are an accountant or you're on the creative creative design team, right? Everybody is creative and they're, it is our trick. Your trick is to awaken that in yourself um, and train that and, and make space for that. And I, I apply that not just to creativity, but I think like, you know, on the other side of things, if you're a creative and you want to get and understand more of the business side of things, you have an analytical brain too. Um, and similarly, I do think everyone has that as well. And so how do you um, nurture that um, and believe in yourself and, and, and find people who are peers and mentors that can help you to learn if you're trying to learn about something that's new. And I think that that's actually really where we should all be. We should all be trying to figure out what do I not know? Or how do I, what is it, what is an area in which my brain does not typically go to? And how do I exercise that muscle? And how do I build that out? Because that will only make you a better, you know, better in whatever you're doing, even if it's yourself or your family or your work. Um, and then I, I think this is something we were hearing a lot today. And I do believe it, in, which is, you know, whatever you want to do, even if you don't have the like traditional background, if you immerse yourself and dedicate yourself to it and you master it, which means spending time, effort, um, and, and sticking with it, you can do it. You can get there and you can be excellent at it. There's, I, I don't think, I think it is more nurture than nature. I don't think there are born incredible, you know, venture capitalists, you know, I think it's a lot of opportunity. It's been a lot of like, you know, and also learning and curiosity. I'd say it's sort of, it's that. I guess maybe it's just kind of having the belief in yourself, um, having the grit to work through it. And then like, I remember there were moments and inflections in my life where, remember after business school was actually some of the most depressing times in my career because I saw all these people that I went to school with that were on this path that just looks so clear. And I never had a path and mine, what I'd done and where I was going, what I'd done was nothing like what the other people had done before, like most of the people in my school. Um, and where I was going was super fuzzy to me. And I felt really depressed for like, I don't know, six to eight months. Um, 
because I felt like, geez, did I just waste all of my time? Um, am I behind? And I think whenever I've had that thought, like, am I behind or am I wasted time? I want like a sticky note to remind myself like that the answer is absolutely not. It is actually these weird meanders in my career and in my personal life that I think have made me as useful as I am today, because, you know, there are so many weird things that I am mildly proficient at <laughs> um, that make my work easier. Oh, totally. Totally. I love that. I, I think also we're seeing there's a big shift now in, you know, the way that careers aren't as siloed. You can kind of learn so many different things and like tack them on and make it yours, you know, to create roles for yourself in some way or another. Even if you're not like running your own company, there's always room for something. I know IDEO, like they hire someone who's a magician and like you know just on purpose to get that diversity of thought I don't know it's definitely something to value and something to celebrate and I love what you're saying like about like just immerse yourself if you could think about some of the unique sort of connections that you've been able to draw from these different worlds like how has that become an asset to you? And maybe what are some of the things you wish you could you could unlearn? Do you talk about like supplementing your toolkit, but also what are some of the things you wish you could sort of like let go of? And then how has, you know, all these experiences, how have they sort of serviced the way you look at anything today? Ooh, what would I want to unlearn? That's interesting. I don't know if there's like a particular thing that I want to unlearn, but I will tell you that I am, always focused on where is my bias because it's we all have bias and i'm in a constant process of unlearning that and to unlearn it though you have to identify it you have to see it um and that's really scary and weird and like that will be a never-ending quest um but also exciting um a lot of the ways in which i try to battle that bias is i try to engage with people or ask questions or incorporate people who think very differently from me uh, or maybe hate uh, something I'm looking into or like they have a whole reason why this doesn't work. And it does not mean that I am going to take that word for word. It, I just want to make sure I've covered my bases. And a lot of times if I'm super excited about something, I will, I will figure out who is not. Um, and I will really want to, to understand that. So Let's say like that's how I answer that question if it's if it's fair to do. So I'm gonna step back for a second. So I think you're also talking about like kind of diversity of thought is is valued more and more these days, uh, which I hope so. And I, I do think I see that. I think a lot of that is because of technology. Um, because software makes it so easy to finish and get complete and make your routine stuff so much more efficient. Access to unlimited amounts of information online means Nobody actually has to know how to do things or know or memorize things that are fact or are well known. Um, you just have to be able to access it. And, and therefore the priority is how can you quickly learn and incorporate? How can you figure out the questions that need to be asked? Find the good answers, not right, because there's not always right and wrong, quickly and efficiently. And then how can you evaluate that and weight it? And then how can you put that into your framework for the way you are solving your problems? 
So none of that is actual knowledge, right? It is a way of thinking. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm building upon the foundations of, you know, basic math and science and all those fun things I learned in school, um, English, you know, language, all that fun stuff. But so I, I'd say like being a specialist, at least in my world, um, based off of like knowledge of facts is not as valuable as being a specialist based off of an ability to think about problems, observe the world, take that in, and then factor that into what, what, what you're doing, how, what problem you're solving, what decision you're needing to make, if, if that makes sense. And so then in my career, I think that, um, in my education, I think that the, the, just the variable, the, the variety of things that I have done, all the different jobs. Actually, I remember when I was first in the job market, like back then, and I'm probably dating myself, um, you were supposed to stay at a job for a minimum of two years, even if you hated it. You had to do that. Otherwise, everyone is going to look at you as if you were an irresponsible employee. And I remember my second job out of college, I hated. I just the first week I knew I, knew I was going to quit, but, uh, you know, right or wrong, I stuck with it for two years. Um, but to be honest, I actually learned a lot in that job that I pull off that, that I pull from even today. So I'd say it's just sort of absorbing, I guess, in my career, my trajectory, it's, it's being able to absorb as much as I possibly could. And just always, and I don't know how to describe it, but there is weird, you know, like, garage style machine in my head that sort of takes these pieces of information or these ways of thinking um, and just sort of slots it in. And, and it just, it just keeps me moving forward in terms of the way I think about things. And, and it's the variety and the breadth versus the depth that's helped me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that's a very unique part about having the human centered design background do you think in terms of processes you understand the value of focusing on your users and designing for them and building for them and understanding that they're the customer and everything that sort of has to tie that in mm -hmm. you're you're always you always are so curious about that nugget that little nugget and i remember in that insights class i mentioned the the professor told us they're like it will take you a long time to get to that nugget of insight that's going to unlock everything. And I promise you every single time you'll know it's that nugget when you sit back and you realize, oh my gosh, that is so simple. I should have known that from the beginning. But it's actually the other, so what I will tell you I've learned in my, in my years is simplicity is actually where things are exquisite and what is the hardest to get to, but the most powerful. Totally, totally. Um, I love that. I love the way you put that. Um, let's shift a little bit because I do want to get to what you're currently doing today. And, uh, you know, you t maybe we can jump into like early stage venture capital. And it's a big part of what you do today. And, and I guess like maybe talk to us a little bit more how you approach investments, how you support company ideas of collaborative design, like, you know, how that kind of fits all into that realm. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I work uh, in 
early stage investments, uh, seed or you know early Series A investments is usually when we we write our first checks. Pretty much B two B solutions. Uh, I think it's mainly because I know where the bodies are buried in consumer. <laughs> um, but oh um, <laughs> I love that. But uh, yeah, so so that's really where I focus. Industry agnostic generalists. So it's interesting when I when I remember when I first started. You know, it's so easy to get so excited about the ideas because they're all amazing. They're all like really thoughtful, and you with every single one of them, how excellent or you know how it was an excellent pitch or an okay pitch. Like you're just like yeah, that needs to exist. You know, every now and again you'll see something you're like I don't understand, but almost all the time, like, yeah, that should exist. That would, that would be awesome. Um, and I realized through, and I remember everyone told me at the beginning, it's just really hard to understand until you to do it for a few years. It's all about the people, the entrepreneur or the, or the entrepreneurial team. And I think what was so hard to understand is not that I didn't believe people, but it's hard to understand what that meant. When you say it's all about the people, what does that mean? Um, you know, you look at all these people, they're really smart. Um, you know, whether it's by their resume or who they are and how they think or what, you know, what they're doing. But I think what I've distilled down for me and what's, what's made sense for me is I'm always looking like number one filter is a decent human. Um, that certainly had, you know, is interested in building, you know, a lot of enterprise value and, and a, and a, and a business that is significant and needs something um, for the people it serves and, you know, everyone in its ecosystem. But but a good human that starts, at, it, start, it needs to start there. Um, and I will oftentimes get opportunities where I don't feel that way about that person. I don't get that read. And sometimes you'll read, you know, and, and you just, that is just a hill I'm going to die on. And I, I am okay with that. Um, because ultimately, when you invest in a company, it's, and this is a trite uh, analogy, but it's right. Um, it's a marriage because it's many years. And so when it's not fun and when it's boring, when it's scary because there's a real problem, um, it's not all, the, the most exciting time is sort of like when you're shopping, like when you're buying it or when you're writing the check. It's after uh, where the real work starts. So, so yeah, so that's number one. I'd say very closely following is tenacity. Um, there's just something in that person that they will, I know people use the analogy that will, they will run through walls. I don't, it's not that. It's like, I don't want dumb energy. I want, I want somebody whose brain is just constantly thinking and will not take no for an answer. And what I mean by that is not so full of themselves, um, you know, in myopic, but that were, it's always trying to figure out the next, the, the right solution for what they're trying to do and has this tinkering and experimental energy about them to where they don't need to be right. Um, but they, they, but they have a lot of, uh, ideas that they want to test and they have a fig tent approach to how they source and vet those ideas and evaluate those ideas. And I think also, um, I'd say those are probably the two, two really, really big things. You know, some other things I like to, a lot of people talk about whether an entrepreneur is coachable. And I think what that means for me is not, you know, going to listen to every single thing I say and copy paste, um, but is going to truly listen, is going to be able to figure out what works for the solution they're trying to figure out or their company or their team or their problem. 
take what they need and discard the rest. But constantly learning and evolving within that. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's such a large part of it. And and how do you think, I mean, or when you say the real, the real work starts after, you know, after you invest, after you buy the product, say, um, what does that work kind of look like? Partnership and collaboration are really important to me. I've never an investor um, who is going to swagger with the weight of my check. I want to earn the partnership and collaboration with them. So as we're working through the process of diligence and whether we will invest or not invest, you know, I do see that as dating and figuring out like, do I like them? And hopefully they should be figuring out if they like me. And so I think by the end of that, by the time we've written a check, it's pretty clear that we want to have an active relationship uh, in the business and we're not passive, um, send us a quarterly update um, sort of folks. So it just really depends on the entrepreneur then. I think it, so it's, it's sort of first like, okay, have, have I earned or, or are they, you know, are they interested? Are we interested in working together? And then, you know, with the entrepreneur and, and how they work or what is needed at the time, you know, figuring out what that cadence means is that check-ins, you know, once a month, once a quarter, somewhere in between, or sometimes less frequently than that, depending on what's going on. Is that rolling my sleeves up and participating in, in some of the operating team's efforts because I have some expertise or background? Is that, and I think everybody, you know, makes connections for the folks that they invest in, uh, but like really listening and then being there to be a sounding board. You know, I think, I think if you're an active investor, you know, it's, you know, it's the same role, whether you're on the board or not, it's listening and being a sounding board and helping people who are working on that company every day, make the right decisions or get to, no, get to the right decisions. Um, and also being there when something doesn't work and reminding them that that's actually the progress to figuring out what does work and not getting down about it and just keeping moving forward. Um, it takes a lot to be an entrepreneur. Like it amazes me, like the amount of responsibility and the work and the effort um, and the drive. Um, and so, you know, what, whatever it takes to, to help move that team forward, that company forward, um, you know, willing to do. And I'm pretty transparent about what I'm able to do, what I'm not. Um, and just making sure we both don't waste each other's time as well. Hundred percent. I think we have a very similar strategy and and just like mentality. I love what you said about like you got to earn. It's not just because you're investing that you know you, you have to earn that relationship because you have to build that trust at the end of the day. You know, there's it's a two it's a two way two way street. Um, so I, I really appreciate that. I mean, I know that's how I feel, right? Like teachers that I learned the most from were the ones that like earned my respect because they were for what you know whatever reason. And I was really tuned in and I was really engaged and we, you know, I really, and so I think about that a lot in terms of that, that's not that I'm saying I'm a professor, but if you really, if we use the word partnership like too much, which is why I'm like struggling to say that out loud, but like, it, you know, truly, you know, partnership is not like this feigned thing that we talk about, which is like two people working together or two, two entities working together. It, it's truly like, tr it's tr built on trust and mutual interest uh to accomplish some goal but you have to earn that trust uh to to be able to forget like have the, it's not about the invitation to walk in the door it's about the ability to be effective yeah absolutely
I think this is a good segue. I mean, you definitely, you touched on PSI and I can see, you know, from everything you're saying, sort of the natural connection towards moving towards that. And, and I know you've been doing a lot of with um, education equity and I'd love for you to maybe share a little bit more about it's Alliance for Design Education, right? Uh, Alliance for Decision Education. Decision Education. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I mean, I'd love to know more about it and cool. sort of the work that you do. I mean, it's just it's just been so fun to just listen to you say, like, you know, I can really see that your curiosity has definitely fed, you know, each next step uh-huh. and each approach. And I, so, I, I mean, I'm just very curious about your connection here as well. Yeah, absolutely. So this is another organic one. Um, so as I mentioned, I've always been very aware. I've always tried to be as aware, aware as I could be about my bias. Um, and I got introduced to a gentleman named Eric Brooks. He was one of the co-founders of Susquehanna, um, the large, um, trading firm and his wife, Annie, uh, Duke, who is well, very well known in her own right for the work she's done on decision, decision making. She wrote a book called Thinking Thinking in Bets that is I would highly recommend and is a Bible for if you if you if you are in a position where you have to make consequential decisions um, on an often basis. So I got introduced to them. They were hosting um, sort of a an educational seminar around decision decision making, and I was curious because I'm all you know something I've always been curious about. And so they were they shared some information, and I thought it was really interesting and i spoke with them and they were launching their nonprofit, which is um the alliance for decision education um and they were they're very passionate about um bringing this skill set to kids in across the u.s k through 12 um no matter what background you're from or no matter you know where you live and so it's a really really large effort if you really think about it to well, one, engage with our education system these days, uh, where everything, it, it's such a, it's so, it is, it is such a, um, passionate place for people today. And to work with all the various folks in the ecosystem, government, non-government, consumers of, of this, of the service, uh, students and parents to, um, providers and, you know, academics and all this sort of fun, all this sort of stuff to engage with them to, try to build a new curriculum um there's not a brand new curriculum in that like you know it's you know from left field but it's it's adding a, a new area you know to, to teach uh and for students to learn um and so it's a very large effort and i find that really exciting and in my life i have seen how the ability to build frameworks to make decisions um and the awareness about bias has really, really helped me. And I've been really lucky to have engaged with some pretty awesome people in my life that have bestowed those lessons upon me. But it feels like something that, you know, shouldn't be, you shouldn't have because of luck. Um, but it's a basic way of thinking. And there's a lot of different, you know, you've heard me talk today about where it's obviously helped me in my career and in my life. But even as we think about today with, um, information widely available both both accurate and inaccurate you know real or fake you know even today when you're ingesting information you have to think about whether you trust it or not and what you're going to take from it um so you know i think i think it's a really important 
skill sets. And I'm really excited to be uh, part of this organization. I was invited to join the board last year. Um, and there's some really incredible people that are so distinguished <laughs> with what they've done. Um, they have a little bit of imposter syndrome, but I'm really, really enjoying the work to, you know, to be part of this, this whole um, drive. Um, and I hope, I hope we're successful. Um, I know we will be successful, uh, the scale and how long it will take uh, is the question. Totally. That's awesome. I mean, really admirable and, and I'm super curious. I'm definitely going to check them out and to try to learn a little bit more about what they're doing. Um, so we're almost at time, but I, I, we do want to close with one question that we love to ask. Um, so at, at Le Studio, I mean, kindness is sort of a really important value for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think everyone we've chosen to be on this podcast has really embodied that. And as we talk more about kindness, this is a totally random question, but what's sort of an act of kindness that you have recently given or received? Oh, I mean, you've, you've shared so much about your, of your volunteer time. So I think, you know, you've touched a lot on that, but. Oh, that's interesting. Kind of a random. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is going to sound super cheesy. Um, I think when I more and more, you know, when I look at my days, I, I am, I am, I'm trying to tally the kindness that I've either experienced or given in the day um, to feel like satisfied with the day. Um, like it's just the gift that keeps on giving. So I think, you know, just in that, that it's, it's a ongoing daily constant thing for me. The best kindness I can say I have received and continue to receive um is my partner the unconditional understanding that he gives me even when it's hard <laughs> is is such a gift because it helps us become better partners and closer and it helps me um move beyond these things you know these these again oh actually if you want to know like something i want to unlearn i can give you a whole long list of personal things i want to unlearn <laughs> But it gives you the space when somebody truly gives you that that understanding and that space uh, to really to really evolve uh, and become a better human every day. I love that. Um, so pure. Well, thank you so much, Lopa. We've loved having you on, and I I really love everything you've shared. Definitely learned a lot myself. Oh, thank you for the questions. It was really fun to to think about them and and to say <laughs> these things out loud. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much. To our listeners, thank you for listening to this wonderful episode with Lopa. You can learn more about Lopa on her LinkedIn and find more about her work with PSI and Alliance for Precision Education. I encourage you to learn more about these resources. I know I'm very excited to do so myself. As always, to learn more about Lo Studio, you know where to find us on our socials on LinkedIn and Instagram at lestudio.io and on our website at lestudio.io. Stay tuned for our next episode. We'll be chatting with more amazing innovators and investors. Thank you so much and see you next time.